Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Gathering Church, a place of grace where people far from God experience life in Christ. Sit back and relax and listen to today's message and be blessed. There has been famine in the land. And for the next time, see, they will not be plowing me, meet me. But God has sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father the Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all of Egypt. Now here is a man who had every right to be angry. Here is a man who, as far as I'm concerned, had every right to be bitter, had every right to just, just really stick it to them. But he says, wait a minute, I understand God did this. God put me through this. This thing was not just here by accident, but God was had a purpose. God already saw beforehand the famine that was going to take place. And so he knew already that he wanted to preserve. He, he knew his promise that he gave to Abraham, the promise that he gave to Isaac, the promise that he gave to Jacob. I will preserve you. I will make you into a great nation. And Joseph was part of that promise. And so God saw from even beforehand, even before he was formed, he knew there was going to be a famine. So he said, I'm going to make it in such a way that even though, you're not, even though you're not in charge of Egypt, you're going to be in charge of Egypt. I'm going to use you, Joseph, to save Israel. But it didn't happen like you would think it would happen. It didn't happen in a pleasurable way. It didn't happen in a happy way. It happened in slavery. It happened in prison. And sometimes we go through things in our lives that are difficult. Sometimes God allows things to happen, but it's because he sees ahead. It's because he sees a purpose in mind. It's because he sees a destiny ahead, and he's working things out. So sometimes God allows things in our lives because he knows our future, because he is in charge, because he's just setting what you look as a setback. It's actually a setup. Oh, God. What you think he's against you, no, he's for you. All this is for you. Even the heartache, even the pain, even the struggles that go on in your life, they're for you. They are not to be against you. So we can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say we just, we can say, God, blessed be your name, even when it's cleansed, even in a desert place. Why? Because it's, he's for you. The Lord is good, and his mercies endure forever. Even when you're in slavery, even when you're in prison, even when you're sick, even when you're down, even when you're frustrated, even when you just want to quit. But God is saying, I am for you. I am, not, I am good. My mercies endure forever. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is good. He is with you. He is for you. And he knows your future. You don't see it. You don't might not see the purposes into it. He didn't know that till he got to the place where he was in Egypt and he saw that he said, ah. Now I understand. This was not just because. I was not just going through this just to go through this. I know now God had it planned all along. He is sovereign. And that's the lesson of Joseph. So sometimes God allows barriers just simply because he knows our future. And he's setting us up for something greater. 
And then you have Exodus chapter 7, verses 2 to 5. And this is Egypt, the whole nation. Even after we go through this, they go through a period of over 400 years, and they end up themselves in slavery. Slaves to, slaves to the pharaoh of Egypt. And, and so now they go to the place where they're, where they're suffering. And, God, and then they just cry out to God. And God hears their fleeing. And he, and he raises up Moses. And he says, and he raises up Moses. And we go through the whole story of God. God just raises up Moses and goes through this whole issue of just seeing plagues and locusts and, and different things that God does. And God says something interesting. You read through it. He says, I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And you're like, what? I'm like, you're going to harden? I'm going to allow Pharaoh's heart to get hard. And he's not going to let you go that easily. I'm going to let you know. He's not going to let you go that easy. But he says, it's okay. It says here in Exodus chapter 7, it says, You are to say everything I command you. And your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. So here it is, God again. He says, I'm, gonna, I tell, I'm calling you right now, and I'm telling you, you're going to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And, you know, I, I would think if God says to me to tell, tell me to do something, to let my people go, you would expect, okay, God, you said let my people, so they're going to go. He's going to go, okay, go. <laughs> That's the idea, right? You say, you told, me to, you told me to go to this place and to speak to this person, to tell them about Christ. So I'm going to expect them, I'm going to tell them about Christ. They're going to fall on their knees and say, how do I be saved, right? Hey, come on, that's what you told me to do. That, that, that's what you expect, but that's not what's going to happen. He said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will not let you. Can you imagine just being in a place where God is telling you, okay, I, I, okay, I want you to do this, but it's not going to work. <laughs> can you imagine that? I want you to do this, but it, it's, it's not going to work. As a matter of fact, it's going to get harder as a result. And it's going to get worse, and, and I'm going to have to do this, and then he's still not going to let you go. And, and if you just read, I mean, just to come, some of the plagues, some of the things that water turned into blood and locusts and flies, you know, after a while, you would have just, uh, darkness in the land, and after a while, you would have been like, Dad, Father, you're just so hard-headed. What is wrong? <laughs> get over yourself and let the people go already. <laughs> but God is in it. He's fulfilling his purposes, and, he's prom and he says it simply. He says, I want the Egyptians to know. Not only, I, I want Israel to know. And Israel themselves needed to know that he was God. And they had to go through their process. And that's why they were in the wilderness for 40 years, because they need to get their act together. But, uh, but even, in, even in the midst of that, he wanted to let Egypt know that there was no other God but him. So sometimes God allows trouble. Sometimes God allows those barriers in our lives. And it has nothing to do so much with us. But it has to do because he just wants the glory. Because your struggle will become his glory. Your pain will become his glory. You will become that thing that he gets to show and say, look what the Lord has done. So sometimes sickness comes in. And sometimes barriers come in where, where you feel like you're just struggling. You feel like things just don't come together. But that's okay. Because he's saying, I want to use that 
for your glory. I, I'm going to use that for my glory so that you will know that there is no, so that they will know that there is no God. I remember when I was, I had to, um, I started going to college and, and things just didn't go out in the first school that I went to, so I had to stop for like a year and a half. And and, and pastor was with me at the t at the time. This was years ago before he was pastor. But we were and um and I had to reapply to school and I had to apply to community college and I, and I said to myself, I don't even. I was applying so late that I didn't even know I was gonna get in. So it was like it was just like. Just try it and see. I was like, I don't know. We were playing lotto with this. <laughs> Just take a chance. And I said, I don't know. So I said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And, and we're going to pray. So me and Pastor, we were just pr praying. And right before going, my mother was not, not a Christian. But as we were getting ready to go, she said, she looked at me and she goes, um, so you, you're going to do this. You're going to try to go to the school. I said, yeah. I said, yeah. She said, and she just looked at me, she goes, well, are you praying? You praying about this? I said, um, yeah. <laughs> She's like, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe God, too. I'm going to believe God, too. And I said, all right, then. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's believe God, okay? <laughs> sure. <laughs> And so I'm like, and so of course now that just puts the pressure on me even more. So I'm like, Lord, now you really got to do this, cause um, you know, you know. And lo and behold, we get there, and I don't even have everything all together. And the woman just looks at me and she goes, "Listen, I know you don't have this and this and that, but I'm gonna do this. I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm gonna literally, I'm not supposed to do this, but you're gonna get into this school today. So I'm gonna work it out this way. You bring this next week, and you'll be settled. You're in the school." And I said, she, uh, talk about a shout. I'm, I was like, listen, I'm like, I know I'm not in church, but I'm going to give my two-step right <laughs> When I think of his goodness. <laughs> and there was, and I said, mom, God did it. I said, I, and she was like, good. I, I believed it. I believed it. It was good. I said, I said man, and then I realized, I said, man, you, just, you didn't do that just for me. You did that for her. And let me tell you, after that, I tell you, I always say, say this. When I became a pastor afterwards, before, let me, let me just say this. Let me step back. Before this, and those of you who know my story know this, my mother was, when I became a Christian, my mother was not happy about it. Let me just clarify. When I became a Christian, my mother was not happy. She was against it because she thought I was going to be one of those holy rollers who, like, didn't, like, everything was a sin and, and you couldn't do anything. So she just automatically thought, you know, the worst, like I was, like was going to call her a sinner and, and condemn her to hell and all this stuff. So she was just like, no, you don't go, don't, don't go to church. Don't do this. Don't do that. And it was just a fight between us. But then, then stuff like this began to happen. By the time I became a pastor, I didn't even have to tell anybody. I'm serious. I, I was like, I became a pastor the next day. People coming up to, oh, I heard you became a pastor. And I don't, I'm like, how'd you hear it? I was like, oh, my mother told us. She became my publicist. She, <laughs> she started telling the world, the whole neighborhood. You know, the whole neighborhood started to know who I was. And, she, she was, and they were just like, oh, yeah, she's just proud and happy and so proud of me. God began to turn. Let me tell you, sometimes God does things not just, not just for you, but just so that he can show his glory off to those who don't know. 
So you become a testimony to others of his glory, of his saving grace, of his power to heal, his power to deliver. His, and then there's some things that happens that are hard in our lives, and, and it's difficult in our lives. But let me tell you, when God heals and God does and God deliver, delivers, you become a story for the world to know. You, that's, why, that's why I believe it says in Revelations, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we even love not our lives unto death. Why? Be- because we've experienced what God can do. And that, that experience becomes a testimony. It becomes a declaration to the world what God has done. So now, he not only does it because he knows the future, he does it because he wants some glory. He's going to get some glory out of it. And then we have the story of Job. And I can't, you have to read the whole story of Job to really get the story of Job, right? But there's one scripture in Job chapter 1, verse 21, and he says simply this. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I would depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Now here it is, long story short, Job is going through trials and tribulations. But what what we get to see if you read Job, is that, that there's a discourse between Satan and God about Job. And that's the reason why things happen, because God says, because Satan says, I want, I, I, you know, you, you, you I, God told Satan, go ahead, see, see my servant Job and see what they're like. And God, Satan says, ah, you know, uh, he's, just, he's just serving you because you got it all, you got him all covered. If you were to take it all off, he wouldn't serve you, worship you anymore. And so that's what God allows to happen, and that's where this scripture comes on. And you see later on, he tries to do it again and makes it worse and brings sickness upon him. And he goes through that whole story where he's, he even goes through a moment of depression, in essence, in his heart. But he still doesn't, he still doesn't blame God. He's, he doesn't, he's at a place where he doesn't understand. He's like, well, Lord, I don't understand why you're doing it. What's the point in serving you if this is all going to happen? You know, we might as well just kill you. You're going to kill me. Please kill me now. That's in essence what he's saying, but he's, but he still doesn't curse God. And he still doesn't, and, and and out of it comes the whirlwind experience. Out of it, God begins to speak in the whirlwind. Out of it, you get this scripture where it says, "Naked I came, and and naked I will depart." But the Lord gives the Lord. Out of this situation, stuff comes out that was not there before. A gold, a river, an experience. That happens that we he would have never happened if he just stood the way he was. As blessed as he was, he still would have never had the experience that he had with God. Unless the barrier came, unless the suffering came, unless he lost this, and unless he lost that. It wasn't gonna happen until he got. So sometimes God allows things to happen in our lives because we need to experience him in a different way. We need to experience that whirlwind. We need to experience that him that, you know, we, we, we being, being raised, we, we need to know him in the power of his resurrection. That's great. But sometimes we need to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. Sometimes we just need to be made conformable unto his death. Sometimes we just need to go through some things because it's in the going through that you get to know God like never before. One, one preacher talked about the dark night of the soul. There's some times when you feel like God is just not there. He's just silent. He's just doing nothing. But it's in that moment that you begin to experience God like never before. Like never before. And you begin to have a testimony that's even greater. You begin to know God in a way Job began to know God 
in a way like never before. And some, for some of us, and that's what's happening even now, God is, doing, God is allowing these things in your life because he wants you to know him. He wants you to depend on him. He wants you to call upon him. He wants you to see him in a new light. You know, like in Corinthians, he, he talks about, he talks about, he encourages the leaders. Paul encourages the leaders to comfort your people with the comfort for which you receive from God. But how are you going to receive comfort for God unless you go through discomfort first? You have to go through discomfort in order to experience comfort. So sometimes God allows discomfort in our lives just so we can comfort others. Just so we can experience the comfort and then be able to comfort others by where the same comfort that we've received from God. So God allows, allows us to go through some things just so we, we can experience him in a way like never before. And then you have Jesus himself limiting himself. Philippians chapter 2, and we all know this scripture, it's a very famous Philippians chapter 2, starting up from verse 5. Did the screen get stuck? Okay. <laughs> it says this, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being very nature God, did not consider himself equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus himself limited himself. Jesus himself put a barrier on himself. He chose himself to hold some back. He chose himself to humble himself. Why? Because we needed it. We needed him. He needed to come in the form of man. He needed to come and live among us. He needed to come and die for us. If he did not limit himself, we wouldn't be here right now. If he did not limit himself, we would have died right now. If he did not limit himself, we would be we would be dead in our trespasses and sin. And as I said, and others have said before, when someone is dead, a dead person can do nothing to bring themselves back to life because they're dead. <laughs> we need something alive to bring us back to life. And it took Jesus Christ, his only son, eternal life to bring us eternal life. It took his life to bring us eternal life. He died so that we can live. He died his sinless death so that we can live we can live, we can overcome sin because of his death and because of his resurrection. So sometimes God, sometimes God allows barriers because it's just because he has a greater purpose in mind. Sometimes in the barriers, deliverance comes. Sometimes in the barriers, healings come. Sometimes in the barriers, we can we've experienced becoming more than conquerors because Jesus Christ himself set the example. He, he put the barrier on so that we could be free. Right? Then you have Jesus with, and I'll stop here, Jesus with the blind man, Jesus with the blind man, John chapter 9, verse 3, and you have the story here, famous story here of Jesus going into a, uh, going to a blind man, 
And basically, you have the disciples asking him this question. And they said, and said, Rabbi, you know, what did this man do that he needed to be blind? And this is his response. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And so you have here Jesus himself saying, this blindness is here again for my glory, so that you will know that I'm Lord, so that he will know that I'm Lord, so that the people in this region will know that I'm Lord, that he's trying to let them know that he's the Messiah, he's the King of kings, he's the one who was promised. And this man is here just for that purpose. So sometimes God allows things in our lives because he wants it for his purposes to be fulfilled. Because it's a setup for his glory. It's a set. We're all part of the kingdom of God. Even though the scripture has stopped in Revelation, his work did not stop. He's still working out salvation. He's still working out his revelation. He's still working out to the time, to the time, to the end time. He's still working and working. And everything that we go through at times, it's because he's still working. It's because he's sovereign and in control. He has things in his things in charge, and he's just working it out. Amen? So what can we learn from this? Well, there's four simple things, and I'm going to get out of your way. What, what, what can we learn? Number one, God is in charge. He's in charge. He's in control. He knows what he's doing, and he's got it all working out together. So when we see barriers in our lives that we don't know, we got to remember God is in charge, and you, and you might not understand it. You might not even see it all work, working together right now, but just know that he's in charge. He knows what he do, does. Even when we don't have a clue, he knows what's going on. So we, can, so we can trust him. He does things for his glory. Certain things he does, it got nothing to do with you. It really don't. You think he's being unfair. No, he's not trying to be unfair. It's that he's trying to, he's trying to get some glory out of it. He's trying to get some honor out of it. He's trying, he's trying to show the world who he is. He's trying to show you who he is too. So he does, does things for his glory. So what seems like it's against us is actually going to build us up. His plans and his, and then we know that his plans and his purposes prevail no matter what. You might see a barrier, but that doesn't mean the plan is over. You might see something holding you back, but that doesn't mean that, that the plan stops. That means that you need to continue to stand. It means that you need to continue to trust. It means that you need to continue to rely because the promise is still ahead, even if the barrier is there. So what do we do in response? All it means that, what do we do in response to it? All it means we need to trust him. We need to submit to him. We need to rely on him. And we need to seek his will. Romans chapter 11, verses 25. Starting at verse 25, we read this story, and, and you read this. It's talking about Israel, and God does something interesting with Israel here. And Romans chapter 11, and we're going to get ready to close. Here is, here is Israel, and, and God is, you know, Paul is talking about Israel, and Israel being in a state of rebellion. But he says in this rebellion that Israel is in, there's a mystery. And so he goes on. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come. From Zion, he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. 
This is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Just as you were at one time disobedient to God, have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. So they too have now become disobedient in order that they too might now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them. Oh, the depths of the riches of his wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counsel? Who has ever given over to God that God should repay him? For him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So he's basically saying here that I'm doing all this. He said Israel's being rebellious, but they're being rebellious right now so you can come in. But, but they're not going to say in the rebellion. I'm still going to bring them back out of, out of that rebellion. So I'm in control. So I'm in control and I'm in charge. Even though it looks like it's not working out, it's going to work out. And so I just need to let you know that. So that's how come Paul comes out and says, oh, how unsearchable. Look at this God that he can use rebellion still for his glory. That he can use people who are against him and say, this is for my glory. Oh, how unsearchable. Oh, how his wisdom. Who can set that up? I'm not that good to set that up. I can't control it like that. I don't got it like that. But God, you are in control and you are in charge. So what is his response? He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. So what's the response? The response is worship. Respond to him. Submit to him. Declare who he is. And don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to attest and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing perfect will. So you submit to him, you trust to him, you rely and you seek him out in this marriage. You say, Lord, I don't know why it's here and I'm just going to seek you out, Lord God. I'm going to wait on your answer. I'm going to seek your direction and even if you don't answer, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to adore you because you're still working it out. You're still a good God. You're still a merciful God. You still are for me and if you are for me who can be against me so it is that that I rely on even if I can't see it I know the plans that you have for me you have plans for me to give me a hope and a future so that is what I'm going to rely on and I'm going to stand in and I'm going to seek you out so in conclusion (laughs) seek him out you know, Paul, and I'm not going to read the scripture for lack of time, but Paul in and, and 2 Corinthians 12, 6 to 9, um, and you can read it at times, but he, he, he talks about a barrier that he went through. And, and, and it's, he had a weakness in his life, and people argue about what that weakness is, but you know it is a weakness. He looked at it as a, it was a barrier in his life. And in, in, it, in it, there's a simple phrase that we all know it, as, that we all know it, that we have heard over and over again as he talked about this barrier, he said he prayed for it three times that it would be removed, and God's response is, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient, for in your weakness, I become strength. And then, and so you know what Paul says? So, you know what? I'm going to glory in my weakness. 
I'm going to glory in this barrier. I'm going to give God the glory even for the barrier. <laughs> God, is, it's for me. You know, it looks like it's against me. It's a struggle, but no, no. It's for me. It's for me. I don't understand it. I want it out of my life. I pray three times. God, take it out, take it out, take it out. But God said my grace is sufficient. So you know what? You're, that means you're there for me. That means you can bring me through it. So I'm just going to trust. I'm just going to rely. And I'm going to submit to your will and say, yes, Lord. And thank you, Jesus. In all things, I will give thanks unto God because this is the will of Christ Jesus for me. God, I praise you even for the barrier. Hallelujah. So I don't know if you're anyone in here is going through something that looks like God is against you. And it looks, just looks like God, God, well, God what are you, you're in that place of God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? But I'm here to tell you, he's for you. He's for you. He didn't stop being for you just because that situation rose up. He didn't stop being for you just because this happened and that happened. No, he's for you. He's for you. So trust him. Rely on him. Seek him out. Seek him out. He has the answer anyway. So seek him out. He's not, he's not, he's not a man that he shall lie, nor the son of man. He shall, if you seek him, he said you will find him. He said ask and you will see. Seek and you will find. Knock, the door will be open. So just seek him out and trust him and give him the glory. Because believe me, it, it is your setup. It is your setup. For the greater. It is your setup to know him more. It is your setup to see his glory. It is your setup to go ahead in the future for what God had of it. It, it. He is for you, not against you. So if you just want to, if you're in that place of just God, I don't know what you're doing, but I just want to trust you anyway, stand with me. Just stand with me. Stand with me. I'm in that place too. Believe me, I, I, this is not just for you. It's for me too. <laughs> you know, I've had some stuff happen that I'm just like, okay, God. You know, and God, I don't know why. And to be honest with you, and, I, and I've said this, I think I've said this to my wife too, before. I don't even want to know why. I don't think a why is good enough. There's some things that a why is not even good enough as an answer. I don't even want to know. It's just, it doesn't do anything for me. But what I do know is God is for me. And if he allowed this to happen, it's still got to know and rely on that God is for me. And all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you that, Lord God, not only do we do barriers at our times in our lives and we, we need to overcome them, and then sometimes, God, um, the enemy brings in barriers, and we know we can overcome them. But, God, you sometimes allow barriers into our lives. God, sometimes you bring things into our lives, oh, God. And sometimes we, and we just don't understand it sometimes. We just feel frustrated. We feel worn out. We feel defeated, or we feel like giving up, or we feel like, Lord, what are you doing? But Lord, we, we looked at these scriptures, we looked at these lives, and we realized, God, 
even in the midst of barriers, you really do work all things out according to our God. You are a good and gracious God, and you love us, Lord God. You really do love us, Lord God, Jesus. So even when barriers come, it's not for our harm, but it's for our benefit. It's not to destroy us. It's to build us up. It's not just for anything, but it's for your glory, Lord God, Jesus. God, you work all things out. And so we're just going to put our trust in you even now. Forgive us, Lord God, that we've gotten so worried or we've gotten so weary or we've gotten, Lord God, Jesus, just so scared, Lord God, that we've allowed doubt and fear and confusion to forgive us, Lord God. But we put our trust in you again, Lord God. We trust you because you are the faithful God. You are the sovereign God. You are the more than able God to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think, Lord God, according to your power that is at work within us. You're still that same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. You are faithful. You are just. You are true, Lord God, and you are able to do it. Able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask for this. So we trust in you. We trust in you. And we submit to you, Lord God. Whatever you want us to do, however you want us to act, Lord God, we seek you out, Lord God. Hear your voice, Lord God, even in the midst of the barrier, Lord God, to hear what you are saying, to hear, Lord God, how you desire to move, how you desire to speak, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we seek out your will. We seek out your heart. And we say, yes. Yes, yes to you. You are good. You are good. Help us, Lord, to not forget that. Forgive us when we have, but you are good. You are good. And your mercy is in you forever. So, Father, we just thank you even now, even for the barriers. We thank you. 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 We thank you, God, because you're doing it. We thank you, God, because you're working out. We thank you, God, because you are with us in it. You are here. You are with us. And you are for us, Lord God. Oh, we thank you. You hold the world in your hands. You hold our future in your hands. So we thank you. We thank you. We thank you even now. In Jesus' name, amen.